Okay, well, unless we get the privilege of having uh, Mark Connor with us, Mark sort of uh, launched our, our theme for this year, which is Lighten Up. And um, last week and this week, we're uh, part of our, uh, our rhythm. Uh, we're doing a Sunday seminar um, series, which is just some practical, helpful teaching that will um, um, you'll be able to take away and apply, apply to your lives, as opposed to all the other time where we just share completely impractical stuff that's of no value to whatsoever. That's not true. Um, this morning, um, kind of piggybacking a little bit off what Mark shared last week, um, um, uh, Mark was talking about self-care. And I think one of the key things in caring for ourselves and helping us to care for ourselves and to lighten the load, the burden of life, is to learn how to live simply. <coughs> learn how to live simply. So uh, the title of my message today is, is Living Simply. There's a global uh, movement, um, which you might be aware of, called minimalism. Now that's really hard to say, quickly. <laughs> minimalism. Um, and it's this push um, towards uh, downsizing, simplifying, um, decluttering our lives. And this is kind of this a move away from uh, consumerism and, uh, and busyness, which has characterized much of um, uh, the world in the West over the, the, the last number of decades. And what minimalism is, I find that really hard to say, minimalism is about eliminating. Try saying minimalism and eliminating in the same sentence. Uh, it's all about eliminating the unnecessary stuff out of our lives. Highlighted in the Netflix series called Tidying Up by uh, Mary Kondo. Yes, we've got a couple of big fans up the back there. Yes. And, um, and uh, Mary Kondo uh, is a Japanese... Is it Mary or Mari? Who knows? It, it's, um, it's, it's Jap she's Japanese, so it's, it's, it's Mary, okay? And uh, what this lady, Mrs. Kondo, or Miss Kondo, does, Miss Kondo goes into homes to help families declutter. The average American home, which uh, I'm sure the statistic would be quite um, similar here in Australia, but the average American home anyway has about 3,000 items in it. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it, when you, when you think about it. And studies show that if you clean up your mess, you reduce your stress. Clean up your house, you reduce your stress. And so one of the things that Mary Kondo does is to ask people to empty, empty their wardrobe, then take hold of each item. So you pick up your pair of jeans and you hold it in your hand and you ask the question, does this pair of jeans bring me joy? It's a great question. I've done it. I've done it. I did it recently. And you can't give them a little no, they don't, so, well, yes, they do. If they, yes, it goes back into the wardrobe. If no, it goes into uh, a pile where it's going to be repurposed and sent off to the op shop. I kind of wish you could do that with, your, with um, some church people sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sure you still put your hands on them. Bruce, Bruce knows I like him. Kind of, yeah. does, does he bring me joy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you get to start. 
library. I, I don't know, there must be an attachment, you know, like the angst of, of getting rid of books that have been with you for a long time. But I, I was brave and I got rid of that stuff. And I tell you what, it feels so good, doesn't it? When you declutter, it feels really, really good. Well, I want to tell you this morning that the Bible has been into minimalism and decluttering long before Mary Kondo came along. Isn't that good? This is not just some kind of uh, principle that people stumbled on. This is, a, this is an ancient practice of decluttering. Um, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us throw off everything, everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the, the, the race marked out for us. Now the writer of Hebrews has got something in mind here. He's thinking of the, an athlete in the Olympic Games who removes all encumbrances. And we see that in, today, uh, in today's Olympic Games. You see um, what, this, what swimmers do is they shave all of their body hair. Because that hair can make the difference between silver and gold. It doesn't seem like a lot, but that body hair creates resistance and drag, so they shave all their hair. Now I have a confession to make. I was, I was rubbing my back just recently, and I want you guys to come to my aid this morning. And I've got a big hairy patch of hair. My back's a hairy. But as I was kind of playing with my back here, as you do, don't you guys? <coughs> oh, don't be sexist. Ladies, don't be <laughs> I discovered this hair, and it was about this long. And I go, Louise, you haven't, you haven't told me about This is not a hair, this is a tail. <laughs> and I was just about ready to, to fly up to Newcastle. When I go up to Newcastle, my parents live by uh, uh, swimming pool, so I go swimming. Uh, when I go up there, I said, I can't go to the pool with this hair. So there's Louise, she gets the clippers out. In the fear of God is better than a rich life with a ton of headaches. And then Proverbs 16 verse 8 says, better a little with righteousness than much with injustice. So I want to look this morning at some ways in which we can simplify and, um, and streamline our lives and get rid of the clutter that uh, builds up around all of us from time to time. So number one, um, I'm going to give you one of my favourite words at the moment, um, establish emotional equilibrium. Isn't that word equilibrium a beautiful, it's easier to say than minimalism. <laughs> equilibrium. Um, equilibrium um, it means a balance or a calm state of mind. And to experience this calmness or this equilibrium, um, we need not just to declutter our house, we need to declutter our heart. The emotional part of our lives. Um, when I was in my 20s, my, my family had, uh, we had a, a 34 foot um, a timber uh, cruiser. And every year, it's this beautiful old boat, we'd have to take it out of the water and put it on a slip. So we'd go into dry dock. And what we'd do is um, we'd have to scrape off any kind of bar weren't really barnacles, but kind of like barnacles, or the, the scum that had built up 
over the previous year, and then you clean it all off, and then you'd anti-foul again and drop it back into the water. Because if you didn't, what would happen is that buildup of, of scum and barnacles would create a, a drag, and the boat wouldn't be able to um, um, uh, go through the water as easily, it wouldn't have resistance there. And also, because of that, it would chew up more fuel. And you know what? We need to scrub the barnacles off our heart. We need to deal with uh, things such as unresolved conflicts, unmet expectations, resentment, um, uh, unforgiveness, and past hurts. Otherwise, what we end up doing, our heart or our emotional life begins to experience drag. And it takes more emotional energy to get through life because we've got stuff there that shouldn't be there. Now the good news is, as Christians, we don't have to wait for an annual event where we kind of go into dry dock and get barnacles. Anytime. Anytime. We can go to God. We can have, please do not, I will know when I've done my job really well here at Bayview, is when on a Sunday we have a service where we don't have communion. I know that for some of you that's a really scary thought. It'll be a number of years away, we've got to get there. But you know what? I don't wait for Sunday to have communion. I can have communion with my wife, I can have communion by myself, I can have communion with my family, and just deal with issues and get rid of the junk that accumulates in my life. Or I can go to God any time and confess. One of the one, what a wonderful word is the word renounce. The word renounce means to speak off oneself. And I will find myself, you know, that some people, I just, some people, I just don't like. And I don't like how they've treated me, and it hurts me. Anybody else? Yeah, we're human. And so I can, I can. Those things can form, create a calloused heart. The Bible talks about a calloused heart. So. Barnacles can build up on my heart and my emotions. But what I can do is I don't, I don't have to go into dry dock and I can go in, I can go and I say, God, I renounce, I speak off myself, I speak off my life. This anger and this resentment that I'm feeling towards this person. And I let it go, I don't want to hold on to it, I don't want to harbor this stuff. I renounce it and I release it in the name of Jesus. That's the first thing that we need to do if we're going to simplify our lives, is establish an emotional equilibrium. Secondly is to control our calendar. You know, your time equals life. Your time is your life. And when we manage our time, we manage our life. And so time management is actually about life management. And time management means taking control of our calendar. And this involves a number of different things. Number one, it involves uh, dealing with distractions. You know, we, we carry around in our pockets a, a, a constant source of potential distraction for us. It's called a mobile phone. And we can be in the middle of a really lovely conversation and the phone can ring. And I can, I can drop what is really important to me, connection with my wife, and run to take a phone call that may or may not be important or as important as this moment and it robs me of 
by my, not just my time, but of my life, of a potential moment. And that applies for text and it applies for emails. Don't let those things hijack your life. Take control of your calendar and say, I'm not going to respond. I do not have to respond to every phone call, every email, every text from each other. They can wait. You can remind me of that. <laughs> the other one is uh, saying no. How many people pleasers do we have here? All right, you love this one. Um, imagine you're, you're a people pleaser and someone comes to you and says, can you help me? And you go, no. No. <laughs> you want to say, but you can't. And you end up saying, Yes, and you say yes, but you do so and it builds resentment up in your heart. See, every time we say yes when we want to really want to say no, it's robbing us of time and it's robbing us of life. You know that no is one of the first words that children learn, isn't it? And yet, um, as we get older, it becomes harder to say, doesn't it? Easy for kids to say, but difficult for some of us who are, who are people pleasers. And the reason we struggle to say no is we don't want to be perceived as someone who is unloving, uncaring, or unhelpful. But when opportunities or people come along that you suspect are going to waste your time, it is okay to say no. If you want to simplify your life, sometimes you just have to say no. And learning the art of saying no well is a skill worth developing. So if somebody comes and says, can I help you? You can say, I'd love to help, but unfortunately, it's not a good time for me at the moment. So you've said no, um, you've you've, you've, but you've recognised that. Or you could say something along the lines, sorry, I'm unavailable. But uh, contact Kevin, he will be able to. <laughs> Dog somebody else in. Another thing to control our calendar, to, to take back our calendar, is understanding the difference between busyness and effectiveness. Um, just because we're busy doesn't mean to say that we're being productive. You're familiar with the Pareto principle, the 80-20 principle, which says that 20% um, of what we do produces 80% of the results. Isn't that amazing? 20% of energy produces 80% um, fruitfulness or effectiveness. Well, when you think about it, that means 80% of our time is only producing 20%. And it's interesting what they've done in Sweden is they've, they've tried to um, try to address this. Um, they've been experimenting in Sweden um, with uh, reducing the work days from um, eight hours a day to six hours a day. And um, what they've discovered is uh, quite interesting that when workplaces drop from eight hours a day to six hours a day, productivity doesn't change. It stays the same. You still get paid for your eight hours because the output is still the same. Um, but what is also interesting, employees are happier and they're healthier. They have less of HR problems when, when, um, when there's a six hour post to an eight hour week. 
And Toyota have actually been doing this for 13 years. And what Toyota have discovered, is, this is in Sweden, what they've discovered is that um, they have high profits and their work morale is higher. The only thing is, if you're working a six-hour week, you're not allowed to attend important meetings and you're not allowed to have your phone engaged in any social media during this, your six-hour shift. Which goes to tell us what we get distracted by. What's taking so it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The 80-20 principle. So, um, a feature of, so, and another thing that we can do to, um, to uh, control a calendar is um, minimum, minimum, maintaining margins. One of the wisest things I've ever heard somebody share with me as a young person was this. If you get out of bed 15 minutes earlier, it will change your life. It will change your life. See, most people kind of push it right to the very limit before they get out of bed, and then they're, they're frustrated and frustrated. The kids are frustrated and flustered. They go to work, driving through the traffic, because they're running late now, and it's everybody else's problem on the road because they're running late. If they had just got out of bed, minutes earlier, life will be different. Um, Ephesians 5.16 says, redeem the time because the days are evil. And that word there, well that little phrase means make wise and sacred use of your time. Number three, um, simplify our lives by decreasing our decision making. You know, when there's a lot going on in your world, try and decrease the number of decisions that you have to give yourself um, uh, give yourself to. So you can give yourself some mental breathing space. In our church in Newcastle, we had um, very large, was, was the largest work for the doll program in the country at that time. We were providing breakfasts and lunches for, um, we were pastoring about 200 people in the city who were drug addicts and poor and uh, living on the streets. And um, it, was a, it was a fantastic ministry. One of the downsides was, because of the cohort of people that we were um, working with, is they would, um, every day we would get accosted a number of times being asked for money. I just need, I need three dollars to get a, a, a bus ticket. Or, or, or my, my family member is in Sydney and they're really sick and I need to go and see them today and I need ten dollars. And so every day all of our staff were being asked by people for money. And it was creating a lot of angst because none of us like to say no because everybody seems to be in need. And I just one day said, right, that's it. We have a policy. None of our staff are allowed to give money to anyone under any circumstances. And we all just breathed a sense of relief because the next time somebody asked us, we said, oh, sorry, we have a policy. We don't have to think about this anymore. I'm sorry. We already provide free food. We already pr provide uh, free pastoral care. We'll, we'll move your furniture for you, but we will not give you $3 or $5 or $10, whatever it is that you need right now, because we have a policy. We don't have to think anymore. You know, policy sometimes can be dangerous, but other times just write yourself a policy. And policies protect us. Write policies for yourself that will protect you and stop you having to make decisions all the time. 
You know, I, I, I don't go, um, I don't watch the supermarket shopping, but when I have to go to supermarket shopping, I like to go to Aldi. Because I don't have to think. <laughs> I spend all my day thinking. And when I go shopping, I want to go to Aldi, and there is only one kind of tomato that I can get in <laughs> <off> the shop. <laughs> or peanut butter, or whatever it is. Actually, peanut butter is a little bit confusing because they've added a um, organic version, so I've got two choices now. <laughs> that's a bit of a strain. But just put yourself in places where you just don't have to keep thinking all the time. We've got friends who go on holidays to the same resort every year. They've gone there for years and years and years. And they say, we want to go on our holidays because we don't want to think. We know where all the restaurants are. We know where the cinema is. We go, we go on a holiday to rest, we don't go on a holiday to kind of have to discover where everything is. And there's kind of, there's some wisdom in that. Number four, to simplify our lives, how we go? Be true to you. You know what? It's exhausting and complicated being someone that you are not. You know what? When you're living up to other people's expectations of who they think you should be, you end up playing all these. Now, who, who do I have to be for this? Now, who do I have to be for that person? Instead of just being, oh, I'm me. The authentic me is what you, you know, what you see is what you get, and I'm not living up to your expectations of, of, of what, I, what I should be, or what I should do, whatever. I think I might have told a story before that um, when I was moving high schools in New Zealand and my dad took me to the new high school that I was enrolling in, have I ever told this story? And, um, and um, we go in and the principal uh, is looking, the whole enrollment process is looking at subjects for, for me and he goes, so Stephen, what do you want to do when you leave school? And I said, well, I would like to be, back in the 70s, remember, I want to be a poet, a philosopher, and a songwriter. And both the principal and my dad erupted with laughter because I'd given the wrong answer. Nobody wants to be, really, is going to make a living as a poet a philosopher or a songwriter, so you should be choosing being a bricklayer or an entrepreneur. <laughs> the world was very fortunate I was not a bricklayer or a... But I wanted to work with words and ideas and music. And there is two people who should have been going, well, how can we make that happen for you? Discarded. We're discarding that. Do you know what I've ended up doing with my life? <laughs> Working with words ideas, and music. <laughs> you know, um, parents, your kids are original. They're completely unique. Help them discover who they are and what they were meant to do and encourage them to be the masterpiece they are. And stop trying to squeeze them into the mold that you think they should be. One of the problems with the education system, and can I say with, with, with a heavy heart, one of the problems with the church, where the church is institutional, it wants conformity. It's not big on creativity 
and diversity. It demands, it demands um, uniformity. And um, I want to tell you, if you're going to be, a, if you want to be a Christian, have the courage to be who you are. And don't you? Paul says, do not let the world squeeze you into his mouth. It's He got that wrong. He should have written, do not let the church squeeze you into its mind. I've been battling this thing for 30 something years. It's kind of nice to come out the other end. <laughs> uh, not long ago, I had a really, really, really important meeting, fourth floor of the ANZ building in St Kilda with a marketing executive. It was an important meeting. I won't go into details in regards to some significant decisions that were being made. And I was then like, you know, starting to get dressed for the drive in there and I was had my suit out, I was ready to get dressed on and I went, you know what? I'm not gonna wear my suit and tie. It's just not me today. It's, I like wearing suits and tie, but it's not me today. And so I put on actually I had these jeans on, I had these shoes on, and I, I, I did dress up, I had a short sleeve shirt on. And I thought to myself, the other guy who's coming with me to this meeting, you know, we were going together. I said, he, he'll have a shirt looked at me and said, what are you doing? I said, oh, well, I just can't feel today. I just got to go casual. I've got to be myself. Rob, he'll, he'll wear the suit and tie, and I'll just go like this. So we go into this, this meeting, and um, the guy comes out, and really nice guy, uh, super cool, marketing company. Halfway through the conversation, he said, excuse me, but um, are you a pastor? Are you are you really a pastor? <laughs> uh, I went, yeah. He goes, well, you don't look like one and you don't talk like one. And I said, mate, that's the nicest thing that anyone Thank you very much. You got me. That was a great compliment. And so now I just I'm trying to get up my head around this. Then a little while later in the conversation, he stops and he goes, so, uh, okay, what's the goal, mate? What's, what are you doing? Dressed like this. I thought, I'll just. It's just who I am. And he goes, you know, my, my, my kind of PA or my secretary came to my office when you arrived and she came and said, there's a scoter dude out in the house. <laughs> so he goes, scoter, I don't have an appointment with a scoter dude. He goes, has, has he got a skateboard or something with him? She goes, no, no, no. So anyway, I left my phone in the boardroom and I, to, I went down. I had to run back up to the boardroom to get my phone and there he is and he's getting catching the lift down with me and he said you've really got me you know I'm just trying to get over this kind of thing with you being dressed like this today what's happening and I said well you're Greek Orthodox aren't you and he goes yeah yeah so well you know what in Christianity there are different streams there are different lanes we're all in the same pool but we're just swimming in different lanes and I'm just in the lane that is just trying to make Christianity relevant and, 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 and palatable. See, he's a marketing guy. I'm just trying to package this thing in a way that makes sense to the people, the average person that we're trying to reach. And he went, mate, that is absolutely fantastic. Wow. How good is that? Now, if I had conformed to the image of what I think this guy would have expected of me, I would have missed that opportunity. 
Jesus was asked uh, a question, or asked his disciples a question. He said, Who do you say I am? And so Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Lord. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Can I tell you something? This is a 3D, but it's profound. The church is not just built on Christ alone, a revelation of who Christ is. The church, according to Jesus here in Matthew 18, is built upon a revelation of who we are. Peter didn't just have a revelation of who Christ was, he needed to see who he was. And if we're, we're caught up in trying to meet everybody else's expectation of who we should be, we're not who we are, and we can't possibly build the church. And so God is looking for people who have a revelation of who God is or who Christ is, but also a revelation of who they are. And if who they are is a little bit quirky and a little bit odd, they're a masterpiece, they're original, made by God, and they just need to get comfortable in their skin. Amen? And then finally, to simplify our lives, we need to simplify our spirituality. There was an expert in religious law who tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what Jesus did here in this response to this religious leader is he reduced the entire Old Testament into a couple of sentences. And you're all wishing, couldn't you have done that with your son? <laughs> Why don't you become more like Jesus? <laughs> Jesus summarized and simplified the entire law with its 630-something commandments. Jesus decluttered the Bible into three things. Hey guys, this is what, it, this is what it's all about. It's all the Bible's about. Love God. Love others. Love yourself. Decluttered the whole Torah. First five books of the Bible. Is that this is it, guys. Here's a simple summary of what this means. And if you're not doing that, you can be jumping through all of the other books. But if you're not loving God, loving others, loving yourself, sorry, you missed the mark. In Matthew 18, Jesus said, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a what? A, a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little, little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You know, every year a child gets older, they just get a little bit more complicated. Life just becomes a little bit more complex, a little bit more kind of difficult. And the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, is not a place where we go to when we die necessarily. But it's how we live in the here and the now. Living in the kingdom of God in the here and now requires a degree of childlike simplicity. Being a Christian, was never meant to be complicated. When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, 
He said, when you pray, don't babble on and on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered by, merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need him before you ask him. And he said, now pray like this, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer, which is about 60 words. <coughs> keep it simple, stupid. Just, just keep, like his principle, keep, keep your spirituality in sin. Keep your prayers short and keep them simple. Keep your sermons. <laughs> <laughs> A theologian, I think it was Carl I can't remember, but a great theologian, read some amazing books, um, was asked, what's the greatest doctrine, what's the greatest truth that you've discovered in all of your, your, your searching and all of your inquiry? What is it? This theologian thought for a moment and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible it tells me so. Not rocket science. If you, you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, being, being a Christian is not complicated. It's not, it's not as hard as you, you think. It's not as hard as we make it look. I'm sorry that we've complicated things for you. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the subject of law and grace. Because one of the things that makes Christianity really complicated is legalism, is law. And we need to discover the, what's called, the message Bible calls the unforced limits of grace. We want to learn how to live a simple Christian life. We want to uh, lighten up. We have to learn to live by grace. So we lighten up our lives by simplifying our lives through establishing emotional equilibrium, controlling our calendar, Decreasing decision-making, being true to who we are, and simplifying our spirituality. During the life groups this week, enjoy unpacking that and making sense of it. Amen.